welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is your host, Sarah Hart Unger, and this is the podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. I am very excited about today's topic. I was going to have a really cool guest on, so I apologize that I did promise that in last week's episode, but our interview actually fell through. I'm still hoping that she'll come on, so I will not share her identity, but stay tuned because it will be great when it finally happens. Instead, I am going to bring to you an episode that came to mind as I listened to a recent episode of the Deep Questions podcast, which is Cal Newport's podcast. Now, many of you are probably familiar with Cal Newport. He is a computer science professor and an author, and he writes about the intersection between tech and productivity and culture. He is a New Yorker contributor, and he has a very successful podcast called Deep Questions. He has also been on Best Laid Plans in the past, so it was a thrill to get to speak to him via, I wouldn't say in person, but via camera and talk to him about his time block planner that he created. I don't always agree with everything that he comes out with, which would be silly. I mean, no one agrees with everything anyone comes out with, I am sure. But I always find his ideas very thought-provoking. And so when I listened to his episode, which was called How Cal Organizes His Life, I felt very moved to share my own picture of organization, lest anyone assume that one person's, you know, way to organize is the right way. I guess I feel like I organize pretty well too, and my way is pretty different than Cal. And so I felt like I might as well give you guys a 10,000 foot view of what my system looks like. Now, I do feel like this is a little bit redundant because, hello, I do a podcast about planning and planning and organizing are kind of similar. So a lot of the things I'm going to talk about in today's episode, you've heard about in more detail in other places, but I'm not sure I've ever done like a 10,000 foot view of just like how I put all the pieces together. And so this episode might actually serve as a cool intro episode for someone who hasn't listened to my stuff before to start to understand how I love to plan. And by the way, I think sometimes I get this reputation for being someone whose work is only about those who love to plan on paper. And I would actually beg to differ. I do love wonderful paper and some of my episodes do go into great detail about paper planners. And so I totally understand if that is not your jam. But I'm also passionate about certain planning techniques which are not specific to paper. They are paper agnostic, I guess. <laughs> and a lot of them translate really well to different modes of digital planning. So I guess I just wanted to say that to dispel the notion that, you know, Cal was going to be all digital and I'm going to be all paper and that that was going to be the difference. All right. Well, here we go. I think about my planning in terms of timeframes, and I've referred to this previously as nested goals. Never heard anyone use that terminology, but I really, everything comes down to the idea that what I do each day is based on my weekly list, what I do each week is based on my monthly list, what I do each month is based on my quintiles list, and what I do each quintile is based on my yearly list. And then we're going to go into detail about what that means. It does not mean that I never get something dumped on my plate at 12 that derails the day. That would be unrealistic because, you know, sometimes that stuff happens. I'm a physician. I might be at work and then something urgent happens and I need to deal with it or I might have a sick kid. Like, who knows? But in general, I do feel like that my sort of funnel of goals comes through that framework. And I think you'll understand when I kind of go through what I mean by all that. Okay, so... Beginning with the daily. Every single day, I spend a little bit of time planning in the morning. For me, that is usually at around 5.30 in the morning. 
before I do my daily blog posts and before I work out, but after I've done a little bit of reading. That's all part of my morning routine, which is not in this episode, but just to kind of give you the context. And in that little snippet of time, which I feel like takes about five to 10 minutes, I write out my daily planner page by looking at my hard landscape schedule, which exists currently in my paper planner, like on the weekly view. Sometimes I also glance at my Outlook calendar, which is where my work calendar is to make sure I'm not missing any meetings or anything like that. And I put down kind of what my schedule is and any specific obligations that I have for the day, including blocks of time when I'm seeing patients, blocks of time when I have meetings, maybe a kid event I have to go to, etc. Because that will tell me what time I have left, which is going to enable me to know what kinds of things I can plan to get done that day. Some days are incredibly full and there are really no opportunities to add tasks from my weekly list. And that's okay. Doesn't mean I've had an unproductive day. I can have a very productive day in that context. It just means that I'm having a day with more structured activities and less ability to catch up on other things. So once I have my daily landscape written out, if I do have some free time or some unstructured time, I choose tasks for my weekly list, which live on the left-hand side of my planner spread for the week. There's no reason they have to live there. They could live in an electronic document anywhere, but for me, that is where they live. And I try to pick a number of things and looking at the complexity of things based on how much free time I have that day. So again, if I'm packed full of stuff, I might not put anything. If I have a lot of free time, I might put a few things. And those are going to go on my daily planner sheet. Currently, I'm using the Hobonichi, so this kind of goes on the right-hand side of the page, which is like my daily to-do list. Sometimes I assign times to certain things, like I know my run is going to be at six in the morning. Other times I don't. I know this is a departure from Cal's system. He really loves doing time block planning where you kind of assign each activity a time. I tend to be a little more holistic. And if I do have a block of free hours, as long as I'm doing things off my list, I let myself go in whatever order feels right for that day. For me, this just feels, I guess, more fun. And I don't feel like it leads to a lot of wasted time. So it does work for me. And once I've settled into my what my day is going to be, the best part about my system and the fact that I don't feel like I let a lot of things kind of fly around randomly is I don't think about the things I haven't assigned to that day because I know they are somewhere else, as we're going to talk about kind of in the rest of my 10,000 foot view. This absolutely comes from David Allen's influence. I read Getting Things Done probably 15 years ago or more, and he really changed how I plan. And I felt like developing some sort of watertight system where I could focus on the day's events that day and not be bothered by other things was just going to be key for me. I think it just fits my personality. And so... Again, once I've done that planning for the day and I've chosen what I'm going to focus on, I'm really not looking at lists or thinking about doing other things other than what I've already picked out. All right, so that's my daily horizon. Next, we'll kind of zoom out one level and look at my weekly. There's a detailed episode on my weekly review process and I'll link to that. I'll have to do an updated one and see if my current weekly review actually matches with what I did because that episode is like two years old now, but I think it's probably pretty much the same because a lot of those activities are just essential to my life's functioning. Some of my weekly review tasks I do on Fridays. Those tend to be more work-related things and some of them that are more home-related I tend to do on Sunday afternoons. Things I do as part of this weekly review process include reviewing the next week's schedule and just making sure everything lines up, everything makes sense. Sometimes I'll even do things like, if I know I'm not supposed to have patients on Thursday, look at my clinical schedule and make sure I don't have patients on Thursday because every once in a while I find a discrepancy and if I don't catch those kinds of things, disaster will ensue. 
I also make sure all of my inboxes are empty. This is more of a processing inputs type of a task, but it does kind of play a part in my weekly review, so I make sure that I don't kind of miss any loose ends. I tend to empty my work email inbox on Friday. It's kind of like one of the things I feel like I have to get done before I leave, and I empty my personal Gmail on Sunday. So if you've ever emailed me, you might find that your response comes on a Sunday. It's probably the most common time I write back to listeners and blog readers, et cetera. And I love your emails, but I don't always get to them immediately. So a lot of times it's on Sunday. Anyway, on my weekly list, I also plan out the next week's workouts. That's something that's very important to me. So I just make sure to put it into my planner so I know what's coming ahead, which days. I review progress on the current week's goals and migrate what was not done to the next week's goals if I still want to do it. That's a big if. There might be some activities where it's like, you know what? I don't actually need to do X, Y, Z and I'm not going to migrate it. Or it's such a quick little task that it's not worth migrating and I can just get it done right there. I also add new goals from my monthly list to the next week's list as I'm creating that next week's list, depending on what the time looks like. Again, if I have a very busy week, if it's one of my on-call weeks, I really have no business adding these lofty goals for my monthly list because really my life's work that week is survival. But if it's a more open week, then I'm going to be adding more of those goals. So that's kind of like where the week's goals come from. The other place they come from is that sometimes I've just sort of assigned myself a future task. For example, if I know I want to book tickets for something, but I know they're not going to go on sale until November 1st, that's something that would go on my weekly planning page for November, and I'm going to be automatically reminded in my highly high-tech paper planner system that that is the week when I want to get that task done. I also weekly empty out my podcast queue. I don't like how they all accumulate and I'll have like, you know, 50 unlistened to podcasts. So every week, usually when I'm about to go do my longer run on the weekend, I'll go ahead and kind of empty that out and delete tracks that I'm not going to listen to. And I fill in our weekly family whiteboard because gender stereotypes Aside, I am kind of like the household manager in that way. And so I put our family meals, all the kids' school stuff, the after-school activities, any atypical days where I might need a later night or more childcare coverage, etc. That all goes on our weekly whiteboard. I always get asked which one I use. I hate to say that it's the Erin Condren because they haven't been available now for years. I think I did link to some alternatives in a recent post. So if I can find that, I'll either link directly to those alternatives or the show notes of that other post. So now we've gone through daily and we've gone through weekly and we're corralling all of the loose ends of life. And now we're going to go into monthly where we start to get into more like bigger goals and dreams and, you know, how that all fits in. So currently my monthly goals live in a cultivate what matters power sheets. Next year, I'm debating maybe just devoting a Hobonichi day free to all these goals and lists. I think that might be a really fun way to just have them all in one place and allow for a bit more freeform creativity but currently they're living in a power sheets and I curate my monthly goals by, you guessed it, kind of looking at the next level of goals, which is my quintile goals. So I will look at the quintile goals, think about what's coming up that month, think about how busy the month is and you know how much I want to fit in. I usually do take a look at my yearly goals list monthly as well. and just think about any deadlines that might be coming up or just things that might be pressing me this month. And that will help me put together my monthly goals list, which as you remember, is going to be referred to every single week as I'm creating my weekly goals. 
I also do a budget audit monthly. We use YNAB. I go through every single credit card statement and make sure we're accounting for transactions because I do find it the awareness helps us manage our money better. And I use the monthly prompt to kind of think ahead to arranging date nights and any childcare issues that might be coming up, like our nanny wanting some time off where I'm working, trying to iron out those loose ends far in advance enough that they're not going to sneak up on me. And then monthly, it tends to be when I also look up at our upcoming travel calendar to see if there are trips coming up that month or even the month after to think about whether I want to put some like reservations or things like that on my to-do list. All right, we are going to take a quick break and then we will be right back with kind of the bigger, more vision-focused lengths of time. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com slash plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com slash plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. We are now well into spring, and there's no better time to shop for beautiful cotton sweaters that can take us right into the next season. And definitely take a look at their dresses. They have so many pretty ones. I'm obsessed with the day dress. It's so classic and versatile. Plus, everything in their collection is designed so intentionally that you can style pieces together without a second thought. All of their sweaters and tops pair with jeans, work pants, and more, and can be styled to fit practically any occasion. Find your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code PLANS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I am back. So, so far, just to recap, I went through my daily planning rituals, my weekly planning rituals, my monthly planning rituals, and then we go into the quintiles and how those are organized and planned out. So currently, I have a paper list in a Maruman binder. That's something new that I'm just playing with. But again, I think my quintiles list might best live in that day free next year. 
Other places I have put quintiles lists in the past include just a document in Apple Notes. I think I did that for summer of this year and it worked pretty well, as well as Todoist, which was highly recommended by some podcast guests I've had in the past. I don't think it's a perfect fit for me and I'm not planning on using it next year, but it was really, really fun to try out and I can see why some people love it. The quintile tends to prompt me to think about the next couple of seasons of travel. Travel is something tricky where if you do it way ahead of time, it usually tends to be fairly easy. You have your pick of options and places to stay. And when you leave it till the last second, it can become a very arduous task and you're kind of often having to spend more. Now there are exceptions where you get lucky because you get to just see what's left and pick up deals that way. But with a family of five and kind of more specific wants and needs around my travel, I tend to really like to do this in advance. So the quintile is when I like to think about like what's coming up in the future quintiles of travel. We're about to, you know, we've just embarked on quintile four, which is the back to school to November 1st. And so I'm thinking about winter break travel and I'm already starting to think about next spring break travel because those are kind of like the two big horizons that I'd be booking for now. I'm also prompted by the quintile or kind of like by the season to look at my to be read list and see if I want to put new titles on there that have caught my eye so I can remember to place them on my library holds list or purchase them or decide how I'm going to get a hold of those. I will say the one thing that we plan in quarters instead of traditional quintiles is finances. So my husband and I do like a every three month reckoning where we look at exactly where we are financially um, in terms of our investments and net worth and years to retirement, et cetera. And we do that every quarter just because, I don't know, it just kind of fits with the fiscal year and taxes and all that fun stuff. And then finally, we get to yearly. And I definitely do some yearly visioning and a lot of thought about what I want my next year to look like around quintile five. This is when I draw up a yearly goals list. This can be on paper. I've had it in Apple Notes. This year it's in Todoist. Next year, you guessed it. I think I'm going to put it in the Hobonichi Day Free. But I'll think about all the things and priorities I want to get to in the next year. It can be experiences. I've often used the framework of like 22 for 22, or I guess it'll be 23 for 23 next year to create a list of goals. And I include goals in all different arenas. So not just work goals or family goals or personal goals, but all of the different areas of life. I tend to do all of this around November. That just is like reflection season for me. And I've even done it as a couples retreat with my husband in the past. I believe we did that in November of 2021. And I recorded an episode around that time. It was lovely. We just thought about all the fun things we wanted to do in the next year. We actually booked some things. We thought through childcare, all those things. And then usually towards the end of the calendar year, I complete the Cultivate What Matters Power Sheets. And that's a really helpful prompt for a lot of, you know, things I might want to do. Or I also do a lot of my own reflecting. I've been running a few, um, like, I guess sessions where I coach others through reflecting about their years. And that often prompts me to do the same. So I'm hoping to continue to do a lot of that. And I've also done some topical blog series that help me delve into different areas of my life and troubleshoot them. So I'm not suggesting you know, write a blog and publish it in order to plan for your year. But it might be worth it to draw up a few documents or do some journaling about, you know, different areas of your life and where things are working and what are not when you're thinking about the next year. And then finally, on a practical note, I do clean up my to-be-read list yearly. I decide what I want to migrate into the next year so I don't end up with a to-be-read list that has 500 titles. I know some people thrive on having that and they don't mind it and they just pick what they're in the mood for. But I like mine to be closer, not necessarily in line with the reality of the number of books I would read, but closer to reality than that. 
The other thing, wow, I'm like out of breath <laughs> talking about all of these goals and organizations, but, and I keep saying the word planning, and I know this is supposed to be about organizing, but for me, those two just go so hand in hand that it is hard to separate them. And I do feel that it is the planning, the act of planning, and the kind of deciding what to think about when that makes things feel manageable to me. So if there is any theme, it would be again, kind of coming from David Allen, the stress-free productivity or the mind-like water of knowing that you kind of have a handle of everything at any one moment and you know what you need to be doing and what you don't need to be doing. I also will mention inbox maintenance. So this is a little bit separate, but I feel like it can really get in the way of planning and organizing because controlling one's inputs is key to having a day where you're not interrupted every five seconds to think about, you know, what somebody else wants you to think about. So I can't say that I am like Zen and, you know, only check my email twice a day or anything, but I certainly don't force myself to process all of these things every second. Instead, I have set times, which again, frees me to not have to do it at other times. I mentioned I clear out my work email every Friday. I try to clean out my clinical inbox. This is like questions from patients or lab results every single clinical day that I work. Worst case scenario, I have it at zero by Friday because I don't like to leave patients hanging when they have questions. Um, that just wouldn't be very good medical care. I clear out my Gmail almost every Sunday. I'll say almost because there are definitely times I'm on vacation or otherwise and I don't get to it, but the ideal is every Sunday. And when I say clear, I really get these things to like zero. I don't like to use these inboxes as little de facto to-do lists. I just find that messy. Yeah, and that's important to me. And I think that Cal actually feels very similarly about that. I take physical mail and I usually recycle the stuff I don't care about or shred it daily. But if there's something that needs more action on, usually it's like something financial or related to the family, I'll stick it in a basket, which is kind of like my unofficial Sunday basket that is on my desk so I can deal with it on the weekend. Sunday basket is a term that comes from Lisa Woodruff, and I've been using a Sunday basket even before I knew about a Sunday basket, but I absolutely love her concept, so you can learn about that more from her. And then finally, I do like to dump out my podcast queue weekly. I think I mentioned that above, but yeah, just gives me a fresh start of the week not to have a million different tracks in there. I mentioned all of this kind of is paper agnostic, and I really feel like it is. None of this is specific to using a paper planner. You could be using a digital planner. You could be using Apple Notes. You could be using, you know, kind of like one of those digital templates. I mean, you could be using Google Calendar. I think these are much more universal to the specific tools that are used, but I do tend to use paper for my daily, weekly, and monthly planning, and I use our whiteboard for kind of that family planning that everybody needs to see. One thing I have to say that's interesting and another difference between myself and Cal is that I don't have any kind of like a vision document or anything beyond a year or anything describing my system, unless you count this podcast episode today and its accompanying show notes. I guess I'm just used to using my system that I don't, and it's pretty simple really once you think about it. So I don't need to remind myself of, of what I'm doing. But I guess one could say these show notes will serve as my master document as to what my system looks like if I ever need to refer to that in the future. I also do have a Sunday maybe list, and I definitely have that as something that kind of keeps me sane and keeps those like, maybe I'll do this someday thoughts from cluttering my thoughts otherwise. And this is also a David Allen concept. So again, I attribute a lot of my system to him. So that's pretty much it, the 10,000 foot view of my system. Again, anybody wants to, you know, beg Cal to have me on so that I can 
give my system as a counterpoint to his. I think that would be super fun. I think his audience could probably use some more female voices that they hear from. So again, you're welcome to suggest that. I also wanted to make a brief announcement, which is that I have actually decided to go part-time in my work life. I have had a leadership role in graduate medical education for like over six years now, and I've loved it, but I have just felt called to move on from it for various reasons. And one of the reasons is the love I have for doing this podcast and this creative work and connecting with all of you and wanting to have more flexibility to pursue that and things related to that, as well as flexibility for my rapidly growing children who I do kind of feel like they want and need more of me as they have gotten older. Plus I enjoy that time with them even more and just find it, I'm realizing how finite it is. So this is kind of exciting from a podcast scenario because it means I may have more time to develop some best laid plans related endeavors like things I've talked about in the past, like a possible retreat and maybe even some other kind of virtual connection formats. So more to come on all of that. Please keep listening. Please tell a friend about the podcast. And of course, you can always leave me a review in any podcast platform where you listen. Keep those planner piece submissions coming. You can email them to me at shoeboxblog, S-H-U-B-O-X-B-L-O-G at gmail.com. Or you can just leave them as a comment on my blog, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com. Or you can send me a speak pipe. And that is um, a little way to send audio files because I love to feature your voices when I can. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. I am happy to hear your 10,000 foot views of your system. So send those to me as well. And I will be back next Monday. In the meantime, have a wonderful week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.